Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Today kicks off a month, I believe, that can transform our lives forever if we're willing to do the soul work, which is the slow work, and it takes time. And we got to then say, hey, God, what do you say about my purpose? What do you say about my life? I think each one of us at some point have wondered, why am I on earth? What do I got to do? And then when we do something, why don't we feel fulfilled? Because it's never enough. There's not enough championships you can win. There's not enough money you can get. Because purpose is simpler than we think. What if it really is just love God, love people? What if it's just that? You know, here, we're a good news church means everything is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's central to everything we do. And then out of that, we believe the statement of heaven is you are loved. You belong and you have purpose because God is love and God so loved the world. What did he do? He invited us into the family to be knit, the manifold wisdom of God, the church, not a building, but the people, the ecclesia, us, belong. And then purpose, that he wants us to walk in, to dominate. Since the very beginning, to be restored to vocation, that it's not just toil and mundane, that we're like him. He's a creator, and he allows us to be created in his image and then go rule, be fruitful, and multiply, but never work that equation backwards that I have to earn my way back because we can't. So let's define purpose today. Purpose, the definition is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Today, we're making a claim and a statement that the reason we exist is for God, by God, to be with God. So when we're in Jesus, we want to be with Jesus, therefore we want to be like Jesus. And that soul slow work, there's a few books we're going to be recommending all month. We've got a few of those highlighted on the screen here. Um, and I'm going to give out a few, and I want to highlight why. Because we need the scriptures, day in and day out. And in complementary or like kind of supplement, there might be a season each one of us are in where we need a little more uh, development in a particular area. And it takes time, and that's okay. Be patient with yourself. God is patient with you. So you'll see winning the war in your mind. Oh, that's a good one. Because there's enough junk out in the world, fair? There's only one place you can control. What are the thoughts going on in here? Emotionally healthy leader, to be a leader that is more concerned with the depth than just the width. Emotionally healthy spirituality, where are you at on that journey, those two books? And then Garden City, the purpose of why we're alive. And I have also have here unqualified. If you never feel good enough and you're never feeling like you're not there, we'll join the club. You won't feel good enough until we are there, renewed like the whole. But today we have the kingdom fully in us, so we're kind of working this out. That's the glory to glory. Anyways, unqualified. If, you, if this book's for you, like I want to give this out to somebody today. If you're feeling unqualified and you need a little dose, and it's okay, this book... I, 
Is everyone feeling qualified today? No one needs this book? Okay, there you go. But no one wants to admit it. Uh, there you go, yeah. Let's get that book over there. And I think that's the first step is we got to admit it. What about Garden City? If you wonder if your job at work matters, right here, we, right there, you feeling that one. And then winning the war in your mind, what about that? That's right there, you got to win that battle. Uh, boundaries, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? If uh, they say Jesus saves you, but grandpa's still in your bones, because you got to get that junk out. You got to learn some new boundaries, rhythms. I saw your hand go up right there. Come on, let's get that hand right back. You can hand that right back there. And then emotionally healthy leader. You're in leadership, but you want to lead the right way. Is that you back there? All right, I saw the hand go up. Let's pass that back to double right there. This whole month we'll be recommending books. I'll be handing them out at certain services. Let's go to Colossians chapter one. This is why the world exists. All things were created by him, being Jesus, and for him. This might come as news to some of us. We thought the world was created for us. Yeah, but first for God's son. And it's created by God's son. It's quite a mystery. The Godhead, the triune God. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like that's what's taking place, Colossians 1. And then out of that, we start to then say, okay, what's my role in this? Here's my prayer is that every single one of us leave this place knowing that you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? There'll be paintbrushes as you walk out to remind us that we are God's masterpiece. Let's go to Ephesians Chapter 2, the main verse for the month, not something you just read. You ever just read the Bible and you move on and you don't even know what you read? The Bible is not only meant to be read for the meaning then, but it's supposed to read us. God, we pray that you'll give us ears to hear today. Give us eyes to see. Help our hands be aligned for what you're doing. Amen. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Well, this verse is in the sandwich of Ephesians 2, and the chapter begins this way. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's why if any of us come today being like, man, I'm sweet. Jesus has got me. Yeah, he's got you. But let's remember how we got in. <laughs> Dead people made alive. All of us needing the grace of God in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world. This is each one of us. According to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So our sins invoked judgment, deserved a payment that we could never pay. But God, who is rich in mercy, When we were worshiping today, Jesus the Christ, we were saying, hey, but God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love. You are loved that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. That's why somebody who's on their deathbed and then gets a second chance at life, they're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I got to live for this. I got to live, right? Because, but people of God, listen, we were dead. We've been made alive. And if you're in your sin, you haven't made that exchange today to let Jesus pay for it. You're still dead in your sin. And I love you enough to tell you that. And that's not the final statement that God wants to say. He says there's no shame. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus that he wants to save the world through him. That is so powerful. You are saved by what? By what? By what? Come on. Get your own voice. You got to say something. I promise if I find your hobby, you get loud. (laughs) I promise I find the thing you like. If you like some sports teams, like go green. All right. Go blue. That's where everyone's supposed to boo. OH. IO, baby. Let's go. You have been saved by grace. He also raised us up with him, verse 6, and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches uh, of his grace through his kindness to us in who? Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is, a, it is God's gift, not from works. So in order to start the equation of what we should do, we have to remember how we do and why we do it and the fundamental reason of how we can even do it matters more importantly than what we do. Because if we start doing things, what's my purpose? I gotta win this, do this, achieve this. I'm gonna miss the whole point that, look, I couldn't earn this. That's why I can't boast. Can't find an arrogant Christian. You'll find somebody that needs to repent. That's a Christian who's arrogant. But really, we all come to the table as humble people who need a savior. And then this is where the verse comes in. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You know, the New Living Translation puts it this way. For we, it's a typo, you can put it up on the screen. My fault. It's the New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. Workmanship, it's not a word we use often, but I would dare venture you understand masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. That's why he's created us. We are God's masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? It's a work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship. Another definition definition puts it this way. A supreme intellectual or artistic achievement. It's a work done with extraordinary skill. (laughs) Now, ancient use of this word was more that an apprentice would be under their superior and they would have to perform a masterpiece to kind of get moved up in the ranks. But how the modern uses were is it's a priceless work of art 
we see it as, wow, that is a masterpiece. I could never do that. Now, there's some masterpieces you might be familiar with, which this is hilarious. Like, look, look, let's just take a glimpse back. Look at Michelangelo. You know, he's painted this. This is, uh, this is like the, the, I think it's called the piece of Adam. And then you have Picasso here. Look at this. This is, this is describing a tragic war and a bombing that took place. And this is known as a masterpiece. And then you have what is known as the Last Supper, which I want to call out an elephant in the room. Because if an elephant was in the room, that's where that phrase comes from. It'd be really loud. It would be really big. And we'd all be like, yo, like, you know, an elephant's in the room. What do you notice about all those people? What do you notice? They're all what? Okay, same side of the table. That's one observation. Yes. What else? They're what? They're all white people. <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus is from the Middle East. Arab, Jew, there's more darker-skinned people, but when artists have the paintbrush, they start to paint it in their own image, and if white people are in power, a lot of times this is how the junk happens, and mistake Christians have made. We have literally associated with the genre of race, a genre of power, the gospel, and that needs to just stop and die. And no wonder people get tripped up and they don't even want this Jesus. Why? Because it's Jesus gets forced on people and it's not even Jesus. So yes, the painting can illustrate a truth, but the text happened before and this painting don't even show what's going on in the truth. Now, another peaceless masterpiece you might be familiar with in today's era is what is known as NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And we have a couple pieces. What they are is they're digital art. I like it because it's changing the game. Because we're not just going to see a painting of some white person. No offense, white people. Come on now. Everyone's like, well, you got to make it a white, black. Hey, look, how many superheroes are white? I think, I think it's okay that the game should change. Come on, guys. You don't need to have everything your way for your way. Last time I checked, it's all races, all faces, and all ages. We slow down and make sure anyone has an opportunity to seat at the table. And why wouldn't we empower and try to, anyways, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. But this continues, non-fungible tokens are when a piece of art is digitally, then with a code that stores on a blockchain, and people pay big money for digital art. They own it, but you can still see it, which is fascinating, and the artist could still use it, but yet the owner owns it. And it's kind of bragging rights. So this non-fungible token, look at this ocean front. This piece went for, what did this piece go for? It was like millions, right? Is that what it was, Caitlin? Millions. Look at this replicator. This digital piece here, look at this. So this loop or whatever it is, this went for millions as well. Anybody? So when we're trying to uh, change the city one life at a time and we're asking for money, my goodness, if there's millions out there for this, there better be millions out there for the kids. <laughs> Y'all, do you make that connection? Because here's what takes place. For a sale to take place, the perceived value has to exceed the asking price. Because when you perceive something's valuable, you're willing to pay something for it. If you traded cards back in the day, you would pay for them. Oh, I loved Barry Sanders. I had his rookie cards. I always wanted a Jordan rookie card. I fell in love. The perceived value in 1989 for Reebok pumps were higher than me getting my teeth fixed. If you've heard the story, my parents get divorced. We move to a new town. We move from a little tiny village in 
Pinckney, and we moved to Mason. And in Mason, I get known as the city boy because we're listening to rap music, Swiss, uh, 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 Sir Mix-a-Lot. We're listening to Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet. I live right downtown. And, and then in that summer, I remember, like, it's shaping me and forming me. But, but what was so big was Dominique Wil- Wil- Wilkins, he came out with this campaign, which is this Reebok pumps. And these shoes were unheard of. They were $180. And in that summer, I had broke my front teeth, but the teeth were going to cost about $500. And my mom was like, hey, we could either get teeth or we could get the shoes. And I was like, what do you think I chose? I went to school, first day, new town, new city, broken front teeth, but I had Reebok pumps. Because my perception exceeded the price, perceived value. I think you know where I'm going with this. What's the value you perceive for you? What is it? It's the value. Imagine this, showing up in an artist's studio, pop in, open the door. There's this canvas there. You're like, what artist doing? And you realize it's God. You say, whoa. You're intimidated because his reputation precedes himself. <laughs> and then you're, you get brave enough to ask, hey, uh, Mr. Sir, so-and-so, Mr. Don't act like we don't do this. Who's your favorite celebrity? Kanye, you know, Michael Jackson. Remember people, they pass out. Michael Jordan, people pass out. Tiger Woods, who's your favorite? God of the universe is here right now. When we get the bravery to come up to him and we ask him, hey, hey, God, what are you working on? It's a masterpiece. Really? Priceless. My workmanship. Well, what, what is it? It's you. No. You know what I've done? Yeah, it's you. Do you know the shame I carry? Do you know all the mistakes I have? See, the world's told us so much. And studies say that the primary way we view ourselves takes place before the age of 10. And God is here to undo a lot of the things that were said. They don't have to stick on you. Words do hurt, don't they? They hurt more than sticks and stones. They hurt. People called you stuff. They said things. That's what God is rewriting the story. He says you're his masterpiece. You're his workmanship. What did he pay? What's his non-fungible token for you? Jesus. Jesus. Now when we read that verse again, look at this. The emphasis is all about God's victory and what God is doing and what God provided For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? What does that mean? It means you are created in Christ. When you exchange your sin for Christ's perfect life by grace, you are now born again, created in Christ. That's where the scriptures say you're 
Sins are no more. They're cast away as far as the east is from the west. You are whiter than snow. I know you could debate that. Snow isn't always white, but it is white when it's coming down from the sky. You're whiter than that. I'm not talking where the dog, you know, hung out. You're whiter than snow. Jesus is the preeminent one. He's the firstborn. And this is what you're created in. Get this confidence today, church. This confidence today. Colossians 1 looks like this. This is about Jesus. Here's who Jesus is. Let's just put his banner up. How much is he worth? Well, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Jesus, come out, Jesus. This is what you're created in. Masterpiece, Jesus. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. Verse 19, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? What? Peace. Peace. So before we talk about what we can do, man, make money. Go dominate. For real. Go big. You know, like do it. But, but at the same time, if you build a really tall building and you've got bad foundation. I was thinking about this today. As we go in the city and we get to look at homes that were built 100 years ago and, you know, look to acquire them, there's one common theme in almost every home that I've seen in Lansing. And back in other towns as well, the Mich- what is known as kind of the Michigan basement, it's kind of a crawl space. And, and, and it's just normative that water comes in. Oh, there's just water that comes in. And I think... So you're telling me you could have beautiful siding, you could have a beautiful living room, but you could have a bad foundation? What's wrong with this? In Christ, we do the same thing sometimes. What do I got to do? Who am I? You're a masterpiece. Why? Because Jesus said so. And how does God talk about you? Not about your sin record, about the one he looks at, his son who covers you. You're clothed in Jesus. The foundation work is your being is way better than your doing is another way to say it. So who you are is greater than what you do. And who you are is defined by whose you are. The perceived value exceeds the asking price. God must have loved you a lot to send his son to die. This is why pride and insecurity are the same person. I can't do that. Jesus can't. Or I can do that in my own strength. Nah. Nah, it's not the, the, the horse that gives the victory. It is the Lord's. He made peace from us, shed on a cross. For as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, verse 11, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from sin. You are created in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship. Next verse. We are created in Christ Jesus. Four good works? Yeah, we'll talk about that. How do we do works that will last? Well, only God is good. 
There's no one good but the Father, Jesus says. And God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. But a lot of that's done with the wrestle. Am I doing the right thing, God? Well, am I doing it like you, God? With you? Like you? Love God, love people. Worship team, I want to call you to the stage because you might have heard what I'm saying today. I'm curious, as I've been praying this whole week, will you receive what God is saying? If he says you're his masterpiece, his workmanship, do you align with that? Meaning, do you co-sign that, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I stumble, I'm still defined by Jesus. I'm going to get back up because he's not shaming me. He's gracing me. He's covering me. You are God's masterpiece. In our multi-purpose room, we have on the windows, slogans matter, but unless they're felt and lived, they're shallow. You guys like restaurants or fast food places, whatever, right? We all like food. But let's be honest. Everyone's got a mission statement, but when you walk in, not everyone's living it. Well, go to the bathroom and then decide if you want to eat first. Sometimes, like, you can read it. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to be working for the Lord enthusiastically. And, but you're hearing it. So these slogans on the wall, the window rather, they're, they're just words unless we actually start to connect with it. They say you're loved. When you go in the multi-purpose room, it says you're belonged. This is on the back of the truck. It says you have purpose. But when you step into the shared office, see the multi-purpose room is kind of more like a billboard. We know that many people will, will, will get to hear and see. And if we had a billboard in the city, it would just say, you are loved. And I think when you're driving, you'd be like, man, forget that. She didn't call me back or my dad never was there. So, you know, whatever the excuses may be, I don't add up and I, I don't look like that particular person and I don't have enough money and whatever the lies may be. And you start to see that and then you wrestle with it and you're your car by yourself and you're driving. And you're like, no, man, I don't feel love. You are love. But something happens when you get a glimpse of Christ. When you get a glimpse of Christ, now it moves from you and it moves to I. So when you walk in the shared office, because that's more of an invite setting, meaning you enter in the home of the family of God here at City Life, and it's smaller, but we want you to catch it, because on the top of the window, it says, I. Something, an exchange takes place. The perceived value starts to happen. Wow, God says I am loved. God says I belong. And God says I have purpose. It goes from you to I. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. So as we end today, where are you at with believing you're God's masterpiece? I'll just expose myself. Every day I struggle with insecurity. Every day, I struggle with doubt. Every day, I struggle with comparison. But that's not going to be the statement I sign a signature for. I'm going to say, nope, nope. My identity is in Jesus. 
He's the cornerstone of my life. I'm not defined by my, my mistakes of the past, my mistakes of today. You know, Christians aren't vulnerable enough sometimes. Sometimes we can use vulnerability as a crutch. But other times we'd use hiding as a mask for righteousness. Because sometimes we'll live a little better and sometimes it'll be a little bit worse, but we're created in Christ Jesus and that's the path. That's the path, friends. That's the grace. That's the foundation. That's the masterpiece. Hey, God, what are you working on? You. I love you. You. So today, can we move from you to I? And when we leave, the paintbrush that you grab, I hope that's just a symbol to say, I, I am. I got to take it. And I got to believe that God has prepared things for me to walk in. But it's probably a lot more simple than we think. Do you guys know you don't have to pray to love your spouse? You should pray, but you don't have to pray. Hey, God, do you want me to love my spouse? Hey, God, do you want me to love my family? Hey, God, do you want me to love my neighbor? Hey, God, do you want me to love my enemy? No, no, it's a command. Well, where does that strength come from? It comes from us remembering that I am loved. And if God loved me when I was dead in sin, then by all get out, the purpose I have can never be taken away because the foundation is secure in Jesus Christ. Amen? Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.